That beat is catchy. And speaking of beat, welcome to Killinois with Bird and Cam. This is Bird, and it's always with me, Cam. How are we doing, Cam? I'm good. I'm excited. Turkey Day is about to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man. It's... I love Turkey Day. It's like one of my favorite holidays, but I love to eat. Yeah, I wouldn't oh. try telling that to a Native American, but um this is we're back uh we did an episode we did a, a update episode about a couple of days ago if you guys haven't checked that out you can find it on stitcher you can find it on soundcloud and you can find it on itunes so we've had this in the chamber for a good minute um we we're gonna have a guest uh michael Noor of squared circle squares and i'm gonna try hot <laughs> and, and we're gonna try to find a way to kind of uh i want to push that out as a separate uh interview uh push it as a separate home because that content by itself was just very engaging and especially for like you know if you're wrestling fans and if you know or if you just have a good you know yeah it's very very knowledgeable yeah 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 so um we're doing we're doing we're doing jimmy superfly snucker and uh, again we haven't done we haven't done an Illinois, well, we, uh, excluding the updates, we haven't done a Illinois episode concerning an Illinois murder in quite a long fucking time. And that will, that uh, streak will end on our next episode. Um, we did allude to it uh, by at the end of the update uh, stuff, but... Um, this last one is going to be in the road trip, but it's been in one extended ass fucking road trip, that is. And we're doing it on Jimmy Superfly Snucker now. Um, about a while back, we did, uh, Chris Benoit, and we got crazy fucking, you know, feedback on that. I did not expect it to, to get the traction that it did, but, you know, it it's something... really, really awesome. Yeah, and it's something that's very, I guess, high profile, and, you know, knowing the facts of the case, and... Pretty much how it really, you know, when it did happen, especially as a wrestling fan, and how shocking that was to the core. Like, I'll never forget where I was when, it was like my Kennedy. That's how fucked up it is. Or it's like how, how real of a wrestling old, fan man. is for me. That is old. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about something similar, but um, very... But we did get really awesome feedback, and, you know, I'm not very knowledgeable in the wrestling stance. Um, I mean, I have a brother and a dad who used to watch it when I was growing up, and, like, it was cool, it was cool, but I never followed, you know, followed it, so it's really exciting to hear, you know, everyone's, you know, knowledge on, you know, these famous people, these famous wrestlers. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing, like, wrestling to me is kind of like pumpkin spice or Lizzo to you. Like, it's just something that is pretty much a part. Wait, if we switch to peppermint mocha, it's like almost Christmas time. Jesus Christ. See, this is what happens when you perpetuate the stereotype, folks. But, again, <laughs> it's just like, you know, wrestling has so, been, you know, that much of a part of my life. And then when you have, you know, cases like this, Jimmy Superfly Snucker, and I guess the egregiousness is of when this happened, the, the totality of, the events that we're going to talk about and how for a long time it just seemed like it was just like a little you know blur like it wasn't it didn't affect him you know it, it didn't, wasn't yeah it justice wasn't was not served and i don't want to get ahead of ourselves and all but it took a long time before he had his day of reckoning so to speak 
Hmm. Question. Yeah. You can answer this after the thing. Who is, do you like more, Benoit or Snuka? Who do I like more? Well, I grew up on Benoit, and I think... Yeah, it's just one of those things, it's a generational thing. And I'm glad that you brought that up because as we're going to talk about in this uh, in this episode, Jimmy Superfly Snucker, this was before before there was a Hulk Hogan. Um, Jimmy Superfly Snucker was one was, was the, the, the name in American professional wrestling, like to the masses. It's, it's hard to fathom because of the popularity of you know, everybody knows who Hulk Hogan is. Everybody knows to say uh, in the in the 80s and Ric Flair and Andre the Giant and Macho Man Randy Savage. But again, before that time, Jimmy Superfly Snucker was the biggest name in the biggest promotion, in the biggest wrestling promotion in the United States. And I mean, it's very, it's, it's a testament, I guess, to the popularity and his charisma but like but they're so long-winded um that said like you know i grew up on chris benoit uh i remember when i was a kid and i would watch his matches and just watch his character and how i identified with him and it's how he was such an honorable man and you know like he was such a a good guy up to speak you know so when the tragedy happened in the way it did it was such you know earth-shattering like I'll give this for example. If Ric Flair did that stuff, it wouldn't surprise me. If, you know, any of these other Hulk Hogan would have did some of this stuff. If you know, like, the real life guy behind him and all wow. the fucked up that's shit he is. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and I guess for, like, real wrestling fans to, like, you know, gauge it. But um, without speaking in circles, yeah, um, we're going to talk about, again, we said this like the 50th time, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, uh, Famous wrestler, but like Benoit, was a suspected, not suspected, was a murderer for all intents and purposes. But before we get into those nuts and bells, um, and pardon me because my voice is already off because I've been sick for a long ass time. Cam, I've been wanting to say this for a long ass time. Hit the good fucking people with a disclaimer. Welcome back, everybody. We're really excited for you to be back. We were really, really excited to present this case, so we hope you guys it. Um, that being said, uh, the reason why the Benoit case worked so well was we got great, awesome feedback from a lot of people, and we really, really appreciate that type of feedback and yeah. constructive criticism when we do this podcast. So we do want you guys to remember that this is just notes, information, police reports, things of that nature that we've gathered over time. And Simon is about his own motherfuckers' here. words. He wrote an autobiography. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but we will have, you know, um, okay, when I say we, I will definitely have um, some opinions and thoughts on it. But again, overall, we're just here to report and do our job. And so if there's anything that seems incorrect, out of nature, or wrong let us know hit us up the best way this is killing burning cam on facebook so um yeah let's do this shit okay we ready to do the damn thing i'm ready to do the damn thing Lock and load it let's fucking go so jimmy superfly snucker sorry <laughs> was born james wiley smith in the fiji islands on may 18 1943 from what is described in his autobiography Snooker describes a not-so-ideal childhood. 
My mom and dad were close, even though he hit her around a bit, Snooker wrote. My brother Henry and I would see them kiss every morning and night, but my stepfather would grow more strict, so he really didn't know his dad, so it was pretty much growing up with his stepfather. So my stepfather grew more strict and more angry once we arrived from the marshals, and he drunk a lot and beat up on us good on me especially. And again, we talk about this a lot with uh, killers that we've profiled before when they have uh, childhoods that are not so uh, idealistic. Um, you know, it, it weighs on you, you know, and it does play in a role in how your cognitive uh, mannerisms fester as you grow along. Is that right? I agree. I, I totally agree. And especially, you know, there's always different ways to go about when you're witnessing violence in your home and a strict household. Um, and as a child, that's not something you should be witnessing. It's a very traumatic thing for them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So from an early age, Smith was drawn to bodybuilding. Uh, and Smith, uh, as he was in born James Wiley Smith, uh, he opted to go to the more lucrative career of professional wrestling due to the uncertainty of making a living in bodybuilding, because you have to think about this, Cam. In those days, unless your name was Arnold Schwarzenegger, you couldn't draw a dime if you were given a gray crayon if you wanted to do Man. fucking bodybuilding. So Think about that now, though. Like That's all everybody does. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it was such, it was such a... Uh, a fad, like a facade, like not facade, but a fad, like it's the it thing, right? It's not as it is now where, okay, it's the it thing to do, like to go to Platinum Fitness yeah. after January uh, 1st, you know? First, yeah. Yep, you're so right. So Smith made his debut as Jimmy Kahola fighting Hawaii, uh, fighting in Hawaii in 1970, and within time, moved into the NWA specific specific yeah this is what happens when you've been up since four in the morning kids and it's nine thirty six. so <laughs> national wrestling alliance pacific northwest territory and during this time he would change his name from jimmy kahola to jimmy snucker now listeners will be mystified when they think of wrestling as okay wwe that's what people know when you think of wrestling today, like, hell, my grandma, what's that WWE, you know, or you, WWE, or shit, you still said WCW, but again, that's what the, you know, what the casual mind thinks, and we talked about this a bit in in, uh, the Benoit episode, but yeah, in those days, in the 70s, yes, you had the WWE, then the WWF, and later the WWF, but that was based strictly in the Northeast, so it was very territorial. In the South, you had Jim Crockett Promotions, which would eventually be known as you know as WCW Camp. And in the Midwest, you had the AWA, and in the Southwest, you had World Class Championship Wrestling. And all of those territories was under the umbrella of the NWA. So, quick wrestling lesson here, and I can never, you know, anytime I can put any wrestling lessons, and fuck yeah. So. Snuckle first won a title in wrestling by pinning Bull Ramos on November 16, 1973, and would hold the belt as championship as the heavyweight champion in his territory six times. And Snuka also wrestled in several several other National Wrestling Alliance regions. Um, or as you were saying earlier, NWA. He was stacking up titles along the way. 
1977, for example, he won both the Texas heavyweight and tag team titles. Snuka then left for the Mid-Atlantic, where he formed a tag team with Paul Orndorff. In their first television match, they defeated the NWA World Tag Team Champion, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, in a non-title bout. Orndorff and Snuka defeated Barn Von Rush. Just kidding, I was being emphasized. Anyways, in Greg Valentine, the tag team title holds in 1979. On September 1979, Snuka defeated Ricky Steamboat to hold the United States title. Snuka also formed a team uh, or a tag team with Ray Stevens while with his promotion. And his career then eventually led him to Georgia, where he ended up uh, teaming with Terry Gordy to win the NWA National Tag Team Championship by uh, defeating both Ted DiBiage and Steve Olson. So, anyways, as you can tell, I'm not a big uh, wrestling fan. Uh, so, yeah. in the span of a decade, <laughs> sorry guys, I'm I'm the the uh, idiot in this in this conversation. So, in the span of a decade, Snuka became one of the most decorated wrestlers of this entire generation. So, in January 1982. Snooker finally entered the World Wrestling Federation, the aforementioned WWF, later to be known WWE, and was quickly inputted in the main event scene, challenging for the WWF Championship numerous times. And although he lost in each attempt, he received critical reviews. And it was a steel cage match in 1982, in June of that year, in Madison Square Garden against champion Bob Buckland, where Snooker leapt from the top of the cage. Think of this, Cam. You're flying oh, I 15 feet. Yeah, I mean, that's just a, a, a crazy visual. And, you know... He, I barely even knew the wrestlers were, and I know that picture. Yeah, but it wasn't... And that's the thing, it was a prelude to the picture that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. And But that said, because of his high-flying ability, Snooker, who was portrayed as a villain, was turned into a babyface or a good guy by the fans. And we get to the next year, 1983, which is his biggest year as a professional. Now, Snuka feuded with Don Morocco, where you believe this. His nickname was The Rock, where you think The Rock got his nickname from. Morocco. So, uh-huh. Ah, the irony. I see, I see. So Snuka is feuding with Morocco for the Intercontinental Champion and Championship. And it culminates in a match on October 17, 1983, another steel cage match. And Snuka lost that match. But afterward, he attacked Morocco and performed his finishing move, the Superfly Smash, again, off of a 15-foot-high steel cage. And again, Cam, as a young fan, speaking to me and speaking to a lot of wrestling fans who might hear this, when you see the famous shots of the WWE that is one of those, that's up there. Like, that's something they really heavily promote, even to this day. And it's akin to yeah. Hulk Hogan picking up Andre the Giant uh, in WrestleMania three, Stone Cold Steve Austin bleeding before passing out to Bret Hart, 76-year-old Mae Young getting knocked up by a 400-pound black man and giving birth to a hand. Yes, people, this actually happened. Google Mae Young hand. You think I'm fucking kidding. But... Jokes aside, for his efforts, what? yeah, you're like, what? You think that's, that was a typo? That was not a typo. 
I believe it. I believe it. All of it. I was like, okay, I get it. I get the comparisons. And I'm like, that just it just what? went that just went left really quick. But jokes aside, for his efforts, yeah, Snuka would be named WWF Wrestler of the Year by their annual magazine, and would eventually have a role in the main event of the first ever WrestleMania just several months later. But there was another event in 1983 that defined Jimmy Snuka, which is pretty much why we're here. In early 1983, Snuka, who was married at the time, met a woman on the road named Nancy Argentino. And so let's take a day deep dive at Nancy. At this time, Nancy was a 23-year-old wrestling fan through her friend Ellen who happened to be the wife of the WWF undercard wrestler, Jim, Johnny Rods. Ellen actually took Nancy into the garden and introduced her to wrestlers. And so at this time, before she met Snuka, Nancy had dated a wrestler. Uh, Terry... Belay. Belay, sorry. Isn't that Belima? Jesus, damn. <laughs> I was like, Belay, Belay. Oh, I know who you're waiting for it. Oh, God, I feel like such an idiot. I should have kept writing that. I know who Hulk Hogan is. I just... Well, the first so up is admitting right it, now. yeah. I'm really embarrassed. Anyways, other than being this basic bitch over here, um, this dun-dun-dun, Hulk Hogan is here. Um, at this time, uh, he was brought into WWF to bad gay under the name we all know, Hulk Hogan. Um, that's why I didn't recognize the name, but I forgot about his show with Terry. Um, but beyond that, <laughs> because of this, uh, the Hulks, because, of course, the Hulkster would definitely show up like this. The Argentino family remembered Hogan as a very respectable suitor when Nancy introduced him to them. Eventually, Nancy broke up with Hogan, though she did learn his other girlfriends. Because, of course, the Hulkster so for would. Yeah, it's it's motherfucking Hulk Hogan. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. What you gonna do when his 18-inch dick goes into you, brother? In his time. Um, But yeah, for his own part, in one of his own books, Hogan actually remembered uh, to Nancy his his fondness for her. Um, He also kind of goes over her unfortunate demise and Snooka's dark side. Nancy was truly my mother's favorite child, her older sister said in a book, uh, the book Wrestling in Babylon by Irv Munchnik. Uh, described as pretty smart, skillful, and skillful at making friends. The older sister continued that Nancy had a great sense of humor and an infectious laugh. I never met a person who did not like her, she continued. She was charming and everyone wanted to hang around her. Even some of my friends who were older and some of our younger sister's friends befriended her. Dad was a typical Italian-American man of his time and place, so he drank and he gambled. Uh, Mom worked part-time and eventually later full-time as soon as the girls were old enough. Ralph and Caroline argued, and they argued often, loudly, but never violently. So following the screaming match, he would usually just simply sleep off drunkenness and apologize the next day. So, I guess he, he even, he kind of just growing into that environment. 
you can kind of see why Nancy would be drawn into, I guess, the chaotic and barbaric world of unpredictable nature of pro wrestling, if you will. Because after she yeah. breaks things off with Hogan, that's when she meets and starts to have a relationship with Snuka. Now, um, according to Munchkinick, uh, what Nancy had witnessed with her parents could be a reason, again, why she was drawn to Snuka and why she was overconfident in her safety with him. And like her father, Snuka offered a ticket to the fast lane of fantasy, according to Snuka. And like her mother, Nancy took on the task of keeping her man under control. But it, it as we're going to get in, it's something that she gravely miscalculated um, from the start, and trying to, uh, it was a noticeable difference between Snooker and Hogan. Um, Nancy and Jimmy had gone to Nancy's house one night to pick up some of her clothes, and Nancy's parents were away. Now, the only one in the house was the younger sister, and according to Muchnick's book, and confirmed by Nancy's sister, while Nancy was retrieving things from her upstairs bedroom, Snooker talked to the younger sister in the dining room before pulling a stash of cocaine in his pocket. Because, of course, it's the 1980s. That's what she did. And he laid it out on the canvases, nodding her head. Sounds like the 80s. Yep. So he laid it out on the table, then proceeded to snort a line and invited the sister to join him. So when Nancy came back downstairs, she sees this and explodes at Snucker. And how dare he would do drugs in her parents' home and expose her sister to that shit. And a screaming match ensued, and things finally calmed down, and they, you know, went about their business. But while the three of them were eating, another argument broke out after something just completely vague. And it was then that Snooker went to his sister and said, Honestly, I could kick you and put my hands around your throat and nobody would know. So these are just glaring, glaring red flags here, Cam. Hmm. And it's, and it's interesting, too, because... As you were saying earlier, that's exactly how Nancy's family was. Right. So, or, I'm sorry, not her family. Her parents were. So the way she grew was thinking, arguing, apologizing, and getting over it. Right. And she probably thought that was the norm, when in reality, it's not normal to argue. And it's not normal to argue every F of night and then get over it. Yeah. Um, but... I like I, I I'm confused and like I look at it, it's like did he say that type of gesture because he was coked out? Did he say mm-hmm. it because they fought so many times? Like how many times can you fight with someone before you're like fuck you? I'm done. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a a very fantastic point, especially when you look. He's a wrestler, and it's something we're gonna also talk about uh, in this episode. Um, cocaine, and you have adrenaline, and you have testosterone, and you have all of these. This is a very, very toxic uh, mix. No, uh, uh, stating the obvious here, but you know when you when you involve domestic violence, and then you just lead it leads to a, a invariable where it just gets you know out of your control, and things like this happen. So. Um, around this time, the family had said that Nancy was carrying carrying a Bible around, and it's noticeable because Catholics don't really keep Bibles on their persons. Now, you're a Catholic, right? And you don't keep a Bible on yourself? Exactly. Uh-huh. So, Nancy seemed to be turning into evangel- uh, evangelical. Oh, I just fucked that up, too. She was turning into a Christian. That's what the... 
how much can have wealth. Hardcore Christian. Yeah. And um, after a lifetime of sibling rivalry with her younger sister, Nancy had told her that she was sorry for whatever bad thing she ever done with her. And then Nancy invited the sister to go to her closet and pick out any cool clothes or accessories that the sister wanted. And it was as if she knows as if, you know, her time is coming. She's only 23 years old. To kind of See, I find that so interesting because, like, we go through... St- it's so hard to decide because, you know, we go through stages in life. Like, mm-hmm. when I was 16, I thought I was the coolest person in the world. When I was 21, I thought I was legal and the coolest person in the world. Now I'm yeah. 27, I'm like, me, I don't really care about anything. It's, 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 it's crazy like that. Again, kind of knowing you yeah. when you were 21... And to kind of know you when you're now 27, like, it's two vastly different people. I mean, we're all, you know, different yeah. than me. Like, you know, I'm not, you know me, I was, I wasn't the same at 21 as I was now. But Exactly. Like, when we were 23, we were still out living the fast life and doing what Nancy did. Maybe, maybe, you know, this was her change. You know, I've seen a lot of people in high school who were by the book, and as soon as they hit college, they're right. But I guess to kind of have like this finality, this like this, I guess perspective, like uh, something is looming. Uh, and, yeah, like and, what's happening behind closed doors? Yes, it's an impending sense of doom, if you will, and it would prove prophetic because on May ninth, nineteen eighty three, Nancy called her mother to tell her that she would be returning to Brooklyn the day next day where they lived to stay for a while, and Mrs. Argentina was thrilled because. The next Sunday was Mother's Day, but Nancy Uh didn't arrive, and her mother went to bed worried. It wasn't like Nancy, Muchnick wrote, not to call and explain that she'd been delayed, but when she wakes up, Mrs. Ann Argentino is awakened from a call from the hospital in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and she learns there that Nancy was dead. But how did it happen? From the following autobiography by Jimmy Sue Fleisnucka, the events would just be described in the eyes of him. He stated, one afternoon we were driving to Allentown, Pennsylvania. She and I, just from Connecticut, and because I had a TV shoot the next morning, we were drinking some beers and she asked me to stop so she could pee. I pulled over to the side of the road and I waited in the car drinking. When she came back, she told me she slipped on the way and hit her head. I didn't see it happen, but I remember she told me she was jumping over a little river or stream that was there, and she slipped. She seemed okay, and when I asked her if she was feeling alright, she said yes. I didn't see any blood anywhere, so neither of us was concerned, and we kept driving. So then he continues that I think that we stopped drinking after that. Quote, unquote, she did at least. I asked her over the next few hours if she was feeling better, and she just kept telling me that she had a headache. So, when the couple finally got to Allentown, Pennsylvania, and checked out in the hotel, Snugger told Nancy to lie down and rest, and he left her alone for a little bit to hang out with fellow wrestler Mr. Fuji. And he quoted that, he stated that she was sleeping when he came back, and she seemed fine, according to him, so he went to bed. The next morning, he wakes up, and he heads out for... A TV shoot. She was still breathing, according to Snucker, and he was not concerned that this was a life or death situation. At worst, 
he thought that she probably was having a concussion. And he figured he'd take her to the doctor if she needed to go. But he gets back to the hotel after doing days of TV shoots. And he remembers saying he was very surprised that she was still in bed. And he woke, tried to wake Nancy up, which she could hardly breathe. And it is there that Snuka says that he called the front desk, asked him to call an ambulance. He followed the ambulance to the hospital, but then two hours later, he was told that she passed away. And he said from his words, quote unquote, I think she died of a fracture to her skull. I was devastated. So let's just go back for a quick second. He said that she pulled over the side of the road, waited for a car, drinking, and she said she slipped on the way and hit her head. And this is like a day, like what a span of a day or two, and then you know we've seen it's it's been crazier, you know, a thousand ways to die. You've seen deaths like this, you know, happen. But or or fucking Doctor G medical examiner, like something like this is yeah, a slow it's, build. It's oddly common, and especially after my accent when I was sober mm. and falling, it, it happens all the time. I remember. When I was at Crows, good old Crows, and I got totally John Cena by accident. It was it was supposed to be a hug, and somehow turned into me being John Cena. Smashed my whole head open, and they were very worried about me going to sleep because obviously things happen. Even if I did have a concussion, they don't want me to go to sleep because that could result in you know swelling of the brain and death and all of that and so it's it's hard because it seems consistent with her having a concussion and going to bed when she shouldn't have been and i I don't and especially when you're drunk you feel like you're fine you're i'm fine oh hell yeah oh so like you were saying snookman maintained that this was all an accident it was just a result of nancy hitting her hand head on the rock and the coroner's report would show that injury was consistent with a moving head striking a stationary object. However, the autopsy also showed Nancy suffered more than 24 cuts and bruises. A possible sign of a serious domestic abuse yeah, on her head, ear, chin, arms, hands, back, buttocks, legs, and feet. Uh, forensic pathologist Isidore uh, Mila uh, Mila Kiss, uh, who performed the autopsy, wrote at the time that the case should be investigated as a homicide until proven otherwise. Uh, the deputy county coroner Wayne Schneider later said, upon viewing the body and speaking to the pathologist, I immediately suspected foul play, and so I notified the district attorney. Upon viewing the body and speaking to the pathologist, I immediately suspected foul play. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. What I just said, I just notified the district attorney and um, Wayne Schneider was the deputy coroner at the time um, until Munchnik in 2007. So so shortly after Nancy's death, Snuka was questioned or armed with um, these results. Snuka was questioned by police, but then he was quickly let go. But why? With such seemingly solid evidence. Now, again, Snucker wrote on his autobiography on who had to burp. Ooh, I was holding that in for like fifteen minutes. Fuck. So he wrote that on one such occasion. He went 
with Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWF, to either, quote-unquote, a court or law office, to which Snuka didn't remember because he was still in shock. And according to Snuka, all I remember is that McMahon had a briefcase in it with him. I don't know what happened. I think Vince Jr. picked me up from the hotel and took me there. He didn't say anything to me. I don't know if he gave Nancy's family money or anything. The only thing I know for sure is that I didn't hurt Nancy. I couldn't believe what had happened. Some people had written that I was playing stupid, but I really didn't know what was happening around me. And just like that, the charges were never filed against Snuka then and Nancy's death. Now, we mentioned that uh, in the beginning of the episode that there was a plethora of territories in the beginning of Snuka's career. There was not a re- I wasn't doing it strictly because of doing a fucking hit wrestling history lesson, but what happened by 1983 was while territories were still there, the WWF was in the middle of a nationwide expansion. How this happened was that Vince McMahon would go to a certain territory headquarters, let's say fucking to the south, right? And he would set up a meeting with that uh, promotions uh, booker, promoter, equipped with a briefcase full of fuckloads of money. And he would essentially buy out the territory to house a WWF product. Now, Snuka mentions that McMahon had this briefcase with him, representing Snuka as his lawyer or advocate, if you will. And somehow, what at least appears as an ironclad case of a homicide against Snuka, it becomes such an ice-cold investigation just like that. And it always makes you wonder, you know, what, like, what happened? Did you think, you know, and again, you don't know if these police officers are on the take. It wouldn't be something where Vince McMahon wants to protect his cash cow. It's the wrestling business. The FC is a lot more, you know... A lot more crazy shit has happened in terms of protecting the star and protecting the brand and the business. Who knows if he paid off some cops on the tape? Who knows? It's just interesting because I don't. I mean, I, I see so many. We've covered so many cases with celebrities mm-hmm. in this situation, and they've they've changed their stories a couple times. There's been flaws right. in their or in the evidence or but the only thing I can really find are those cuts and bruises and again if Nancy's anything like me if she has you know a blood disorder or she's clumsy or she's rough or she went through thorns she could have you know contusions and stuff the only one that I'm confused about is you know, the buttocks one. Yeah, I mean... Uh, that, that one's a little concerning, but... But the fact that you have bruises all over the body now, um, when you had your accident, you know, back the, uh, on your birthday, and I know, like, when you showed me the pictures, and seeing that it was a lot of, you know, bruises, it made, like, I was, you know, shocked at the volume, but, like, it made sense in that, okay, it happened at the the point of attack, like, where you yeah, sustain like those injuries. Uh, right. But, I mean, you have the, you have a witness in uh, Nancy's younger sister where 
you have these 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 violent, chaotic arguments between Nancy and Snuka. You have Snuka saying to the fact something like, "Oh, I'm will uh, I can put my hands on you, and nobody will ever know the difference." And then you add the element of drugs and it's wrestling and uh you just it 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 doesn't paint a good story a good defense for you yeah you are right i totally forgot about the whole you know drug scene especially to wrestling this is before you know protecting your skull and not knowing that so he probably had multiple concussions Mm -hmm. drugs on top of that drinking heavily on top of that feeling the world because he's a celebrity i mean the power that it brings the power that it brings exactly right and the fact that again going back to mcmahon like there is the insanity nobody nobody can ever confirm it but there's there's always been that lingering insinuation that there's a possibility again never confirmed but that mcmahon when he would use a briefcase that's pretty much he's going to buy somebody out in this yeah. case, was it the police? Was it? I don't. I highly doubt that it was uh, Nancy Nancy Argentino's family. But the fact that you again you have something that is damn near a slam dunk, and it just withers away just like that. It takes one you know briefcase, and it magically appears. It makes you wonder. It does, and I I we were just watching that. Uh, Disney movie, uh, Adam and I, and it goes on and pretty much on how it's, you know, the big men, the big rich guys own the, the city, you know, all the little men who are pushing around doing the work, getting screwed for it, you know, have to stick together or they can't beat the big man. And I feel like at this point, you know, it's both a blessing and a curse to be a big man and be a big celebrity because, yeah. You know, it's great. You know, you're known as the celebrity, the drugs, the parties, everything. But as a celebrity, that if something like this murder happens in your life, Mm -hmm. it's because of the drugs, the alcohol, the partying. So, yeah. You know, it's it's confusing for me, and um, and especially too because money's involved, and then there's other things that they could investigate that I feel like Mm -hmm. wasn't fully investigated, but. Right. Um, this leads to why uh, Snooker wasn't ever indicted. Uh, the New York lawyer Richard Cushing actually took it upon himself to investigate the mystery and traveled to Allentown where he interviews parties involved and he obtained access to medical records and other files. He stated it was very peculiar. It came away feeling Snooker, or excuse me, Snooker should have been indicted. And the police and the DA just felt otherwise. The DA seemed like a nice enough person who wanted to do nothing. There was fear, I think, on two counts. Fear of the amount of money the World Wrestling Federation had, and the physical fear of the size of these people. Even so, Cushing declined to represent the family in wrongful death civil suit against Snuka, citing the fact that Snuka and Argentino weren't married, and they didn't have children, and she wasn't working, which made it difficult to establish any type of loss. Moreover, Vince McMahon made it clear that, or made it very clear to me that her reputation would pretty much be tarnished. As a lawyer, I had to determine if my 
contingency was in order, or if my business decision was more than my moral judgment, that was a no. The family wasn't pleased. They had a typical working-class family's anger that justice wasn't done, and this is the prime example in the justice system, you know? This family can't get justice for their daughter who might have possibly perhaps been murdered yeah. because they don't have the money for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have friends that are, you know, have go to court all the time for things, you know, with divorces and, you know, custody and it's a long battle. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you have to throw it all out and start all and it's a lot of yeah. Money doesn't grow on tree f- trees for anyone who's in the top 1%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something something about the damn Disney movie you watch. It was a Capitalism 101, a Walt Disney picture, Jesus. But um, it, 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 Pretty it, and it kind of like alluding to like when we talked about the an update with Michael Kozaki, like you where where the justice system, you you find uh periods where in the case of Kozaki now where you think something where he should have faced justice or he should have faced a trial. We don't know when that's going to be. It's going to be 2021, might be 2022. We're not even in 2020 yet. So it just, I can only imagine, like for uh, for um, Nancy Kozaki and Jesus, Nancy Argentino, and even more eerier, Nancy Benoit. Like, dude, she's, what are we doing with victims like Nancy? Fuck. But, but, but. Holy cow, that's like a conspiracy in the making. Ding, ding, ding. But. But the Nancy Argentino's family took it upon their hands to, uh, not buy, but to hire a private investigation, a private investigator. And he would come across Snuka, who did um, say that according to a Whitehall police officer who responded to that first emergency call, he said that he and Nancy were fooling around outside the motel room door when he inadvertently pushed Nancy and she failed, striking her head. Now, again, we Snucker had in his autobiography that she was, they were in the hills of Pennsylvania, and she had to go out, and she fell and she slipped her head on a rock. So now you have this caveat of, oh, they were fooling around outside the motel room door, and he inadvertently pushed her and she fell? Yeah. That seems... It seems odd for me. Like we we know she fell, but mm-hmm. I'm not in the twenty four scrapes and bruises weren't right. from previous things. I just feel like there's just no evidence, and they didn't follow mm-hmm. what they should have. Within to it figure gets, out if it was the true thing, right? But then the circumstantial evidence amounts even more because an emergency room nurse heard Snooka state that quote. They were very tired and they got in an argument, resulting in an accidental pushing incident. And then, look, now you have three. You have three stories. You have the fall, oh, falling while I was peeing, and then you have the, oh, we're just messing around and accidentally pushing, and that was an argument, and I push you. And now, <clears throat> in a meeting with the hospital chaplain, he said, Snucker said that. He and Argentino had been stopped on the side of the road and had a lover's quarrel. He accidentally shoved Mrs. Argentino, who then fell backwards, hitting her head on the pavement. Then they arrived in the motel and went to bed. 
The next morning, Argentino complained that she was ill, stayed in bed. When he came home from the taping, he saw that Nancy was in very bad shape. So, Cam, that's four different theories that this motherfucker has offered. Weird. I mean, I was looking at, okay, so the police officer, it's interesting. It's far so. It, it goes from fooling around, which to me, fooling around sounds like something you should be doing in the bedroom, not outside the motel. You must be a kinky door. motherfucker be doing that. Like, yeah. I've, and I, yeah, they were tired and Kim, I've seen many, fight. I've seen many of Skinamax in my day. To see when they would have those scenes and when they're fucking in the motel room or they fucking out and it's like, whoa, you better be careful. I hope she doesn't fall something like that. So I don't, I don't buy that at all. I think like that was just, you know, it's just a lot of implausible lies. You have, again, you have four different See, the one stories. I don't really, I can't stand behind is, well, an emergency room nurse heard him say this. So it's like, okay, well, did you hear... Were you talking to him? So it's like, okay, well, that one I can't really stand behind. So I, I would, let's say we throw that one out. Right. I'm not saying she didn't do her job, but there's a lot of times when you don't catch the entire conversation if you're not in it. Right. Um, I thought the peed on the roadside theory was what we were all going with. Yeah. And it could be plot, like I said, it, it, it if you if they stuck with the story. I mean, it's very hard to explain why does she have yeah. all of these cuts and bruises and abrasions on her family, I mean, on her body, but then, like you like you offered when you had your injury, I mean, it, it, it could be explained and be a hell of a way to do it, but if you kept to that story, you yeah. were consistent with that story. That's one thing. But yeah. then you offer, again, everything that we know about their relationship and everything we know about the drugs that he took and everything. Now, with like you add more stories to this, you know, it just it 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 it's baffling. It's it's weird because it goes from like I get the lovers quarrel, like a lovers quarrel and fighting, and then her walking away saying, "I'm going to go to the bathroom by myself." Okay, that makes sense, but like. There's no reason why he should have her hands on her ever. No. And if he did push her down on the ground, like, and you didn't do anything, like, I feel like, then that's definitely negligent. But, like, I just feel like there's 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 a missing piece somewhere, I feel like, mm-hmm. that they're missing for evidence. Because, you know, he's saying all this, and it all revolves around that area, wherever they were, but... How are they going to find it? How are they going to find that one specific area? Right. It, it's it's just, again, you have so many stories to work with, and then it just defeats the purpose of, okay, this is what happened, okay? That's not right. I, I told this person this, and I told that person that. And it's just, again, that's the thing when you're a wrestler, like, you're training the art of kayfabing or kind of like bullshitting people. So you're telling all of these people this stuff and you're trying to present that as the version of this is fact. And then they call come along together and say they offer four, three, four different, you know, events of the story. 
It does not yeah. paint you in a very positive light. And speaking of being painted in a very positive light, uh, light, um, former wrestling great Buddy Rogers, who had been hired by Vince McMahon to, again, a quick uh, um, history lesson, Buddy Rogers was nicknamed as the Nature Boy. Uh, this was uh, Ric Flair, who was nicknamed as Nature Boy, kind of pretty much stole everything for Buddy Rogers, but history lesson, three of the day. But wrestling great Buddy Rogers, who had been hired by McMahon to serve as Snuka's TV manager, uh, said that he stopped driving with Snuka after he brazenly snorted coke when they were in the car together. Quote, unquote, Jimmy could be a very sweet person, but on that stuff, he was totally uncontrollable, said Rogers, who also happened to be Snuka's neighbor on Coles Mills Road in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Snuka's wife, with whom he had four children and was married with at the time when he was with Nancy Argentino. Yes, yes, and that's the thing we forget, that he was having an affair with this woman while he's married. So, oh my god. See, this is, I, I don't know, like, you know, I'm not the big wrestling person, so, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know these, these little things, and it's just like, right. <sighs> but then, uh, according to, to, to Buddy Rogers, um, his wife, uh, his wife and him, he befriended Rod, uh, he befriended, um, Jimmy Superfly Snucker's wife, and, Quote, unquote, Jimmy used to beat the shit out of that woman. She would show up at our house, bruised and battered, but she couldn't leave him because he had her hooked on the same junk he was using. So, I Oh, mean, my God, that's insane. It's insane. That shit does crazy things, man. Don't do drugs, kids. Like, it, it really destroys you. This is the same person who 15 minutes before we recorded, yo, I'm about to, I'm smoking a whole bowl. We'll be on it, so... <laughs> Oh, she's just like, well, it's not like your co-workers list. Look at me just dry snitching. She's looking like she's going to kill me. We'll leave that on no. the cut. Huh? <laughs> so, in 1985, uh, the Argentinos obtained a 500000 default judgment against Snuka in the United States District Court in Philadelphia, and the family never collected a dime because Snuka's lawyers withdrew from the case stating that they hadn't been paid because Snooker filed an affidavit claiming that he was broke. So it's just... From what? From what? Doing too much coke? Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind. He's got a family. A family! He's got a fucking family. And every and he's worried and he's got the side chick. No offense, Nancy's so much more than just a side chick, but, and he's, he's, I feel like he's just got hit with the stardom. Mm-hmm. I'm famous, I'm big, I'm the best thing there is, I can get whatever I want, whoever I want, do whatever I want, and then when he gets told no, it's a whole nother thing of opening up a can of worms. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just. And I, I forget how thing. much, you know, like watching cops and those people that are like tripped out on meth or that are just running into cars, moving cars and just breaking open doors and shit like that. It's just insane, insane. 
And um, like you're saying, after Nancy's death, family members said that they actually received a set of phone calls from a woman who identified herself as a former Snooker girlfriend who tr- tried to warn Nancy away from him. Snooker said that the woman had once broken her ribs and had a thing about pushing women back against walls. Mm. And this, what's so terrifying is this is what women deal with on a daily basis, yeah. struggle with on a daily basis. And no matter how many times you warn someone and you mm-hmm. beg them not to do it, we want to believe, you know, everybody wants to believe they can fix somebody or they can help someone or ones or, you know, happily and yeah. you know, we all loving loving Disney princesses and Disney. Mm-hmm. You you just on Dis- this is what happens when you watch when you just you got the Disney Plus free trial and you just just on the binge. Jesus yeah. Christ! But I mean, I got it for one phone year, man. Oh my God! But <laughs> how many? I think we've lost count of all the times um, that we've talked about battered woman syndrome and we talk about this uh you talk about this sense of oh i can control it i can handle it and, and eerily this is what probably draw drew nancy to uh snucka because you know she saw it with her father and mother she thought okay he's a very wild he's a wild spirit he's a wild horse he could be tame this all he needs is me and then when something happens oh you know he'll get through it and you will get you know it's just a cycle and it never ends Sadly, it does when you have something like this when it escalates to murder. But then, think about this. And there's this this incident involving Snuka and Argentino in a motel in Selena, New York. When you hear the details about this, Cam, you're gonna be like, you're gonna be like, what the fuck? So this was three months before <laughs> the incidents in Allentown, and motel owner hearing noise from their new uh, room. And I guess there was a lot of shenanigans going on. They called the police. And the police found Snucka and Argentino running naked down the hallway. And after a little kerfuffle, it took eight deputy sheriffs and a police dog to subdue Snucka, who was high on cocaine and steroids. Yes, and I mentioned he was naked. Ah, uh, that's what it is. And, and I mean, just that's the, it. Three months before they're the naked. The fact that I, I just wanted to see the visual. The naked thing I totally understand. That's fine. The visual of a coked out. The naked part's totally normal. Totally the, oh, yeah. The, the, look, this, the visual of what? a coked out, uh, roided up, naked, six foot, 250 pound man taking on a police department and a police dog. It's just, I mean. It it speaks to it speaks to you know and winning and winning for a little bit yeah and I mean this is this is what you're dealing with now uh, this is what Snooker had described about that incident we were drinking and having a good time when all of a sudden the police burst in our room I don't know why they chose my room maybe mine was the first one they passed but they did. It just was not one cop, brother. It was six men in room in blue with police dogs and everything. And I remember asking them what the problem was. I was in my underwear, and they were all confrontational, and they beat me up their batons. Now I'm not saying that I was. I'm glad he said this because he he makes this out 
as if he is just a victim of circumstance. He made it sound like he was a victim of circumstance with the with the ex- explanation of how Nancy are. I'm just like confused. So like, there's a reason why you have at the part like okay, we're a victim. Where did the cocaine and the steroids come in part? I'm still confused. But if you were a victim to all this, why were those in your system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so think about this. He get, you know, despite all this happening and resisting arrest and assaulting police officers, you know what he gets for his troubles? He gets only a slap on the wrist being ordered to pay a small fee and fines. Now, we have done episodes on the likes of Jaquan McDonald, we've done an episode, well, I don't know if we've done that, but, well, not done episode, but we have seen in so many cases in the past few years where you have, you know, these unarmed... Let's speak of our, our UIC one. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. And, and you have... The most recent one, which is... Bullshit. Yeah, you have all of these cases where the slightest provoke, the slightest perceived provocation, you know, it, it, it molts all this crazy shit that happens. And then you have this man who is taking on police, taking on a dog in this crazed induced state and nothing happens. And it's just like a microcosm of when you are a public figure and you are and you have this kind of power and this i don't know how it was in 1983 in these small towns and where you just you know it just okay slap on the wrist it just does not get it but moving onward in the aftermath of uh nancy argentino's death jimmy superfly snuckers jimmy superfly snuckers career will gradually wind out the mainstream spotlight but not because of his her death but he was getting old, being phased out in favor of younger stars, ironically Hulk Hogan in general. Think about this, Cam. He was 40 when he, when all of this went down. But throughout, oh, shit. throughout the 80s and beyond, Snuka divorced his first wife. He remarried, had been in and out of rehab centers, but he still wrestled on and off of overseas. And... Did the WWE? I ask this uh, this question, Cam. Uh, did the do you think that the WWF men named the WWE shun him? You, I would think. You bet your ever loving ass they didn't, because the WWE had inducted Snuka into their Hall of Fame in the nineteen nineties, and they paraded him around as a company ambassador, and they even brought this motherfucker back in two thousand in two thousand and nine. When he is pushing seventy to wrestle to wrestle a feature match against Chris Jericho during the company's flagship event WrestleMania, nearly Jesus seventy, Christ. and he is just again just treated as if he is just a, a living legend. And in the ring, he was a legend, but I mean, it's as if you're just pushing this in the side. Now, this happened in two thousand and nine. There are only two years removed. Two years removed. From Chris Benoit, and, and the fact that this happens—I mean, it's just—it's such cruel irony. And I think this line, and this thing, Snuck will end up wrestling until 2013, retiring at the age of 71. And I Jesus think, Christ! I think this line in, in Munchnik's book, and it was attributed by 
uh, attorney Richard Cushing, kind of just puts describes things in a nutshell. Cushing had asked McMahon about his role in the incident and his opinion on Snucker, to which McMahon replied, "Look, look, pal, I'm in the garage business. If you think I'm going to be hurt by the revelation that one of my wrestlers is really a violent individual, you're mistaken." So this just it just gives you an idea of what you're dealing with, Cam, of of the people and the characters that's, that you're dealing with. And that's just people across the board too. Is that they rather keep getting money, and they don't care what happens as long as they keep getting a flow and influx of money. And but but there is some some light, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, for the ones, um, yes, for us. Um, finally, on September 1st, 2015, 32 years after the incident, 32. 32. That's older than me. That's older than me. That's older than you. That is older than my, my big brother. Like, that's a long time. Yeah. Snooker was finally arrested and charged with third degree murder and involuntary manslaughter for Argentino's death. It is actually the oldest case to result in charges in Lehigh's County's history. On October 7, 2015, Snuka's lawyers agreed to forego a preliminary hearing, which the prosecution contended was a waste of court resources, given the thorough grand jury investigation. In return, they received transcripts excuse me, transcripts and other evidence from that investigation, which defense attorney Robert J. Kerwan II would be much more helpful in preparing Snuka's case than the hearing would have been. And by this time, Snuka was diagnosed with cancer and dementia, which is, uh, we now know today, stemmed from all his wrestling injuries and probably a lot of his drugs and things like that. But because of this, his attorneys would argue that he was technically mentally unfit to stand trial. But on January 3rd, 2017, the charges ended up being dismissed. But regardless or not, all of that would be moved. As 12 days later, Jimmy Snuka ended up dying of terminal cancer at the age of 73. And unsurprisingly, the WWE gave tribute to their former performer, which was a stark contrast to the aftermath of another former employee, Chris Benoit. I remember when this happened, he died, and I was with uh, friends of the program, Maggle and uh, Claude, and we were watching Raw that night, and I was just like, we were wondering, oh, you know they're going to give, we are wondering if they're going to give this man, like, a tribute. Like, even, like, this man was only, like, a few weeks removed where they dropped the murder cases. Like, he was probably going, it, uh, he might Do you think they just dropped it because he was like, I'm going to die in less than three? Days, well, that's the thing, and they know again when you're dealing with terminal cancer, and you know, okay, this is pretty much a uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's kind of it's it's heartbreaking in that it took 32 years. Yes, absolutely, and it's heartbreaking that it to me it just doesn't seem like it was really investigated. No, like it just. Oh, well. If, if it was to the point that 
they finally brought charges. Why wasn't it then 1983? Exactly. Like, they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. They were just like, oh, that happened? Okay, we'll go with it. And then people, I, they didn't really investigate it until people started arguing that it could have been detrimental or anything. Right. So, and, and I guess to close it out here, epilogue, if you will, in July of 2016, just six months before Snuka died, Snuka, represented by his wife, Carol, had joined a class action lawsuit filed against WWE alleging that wrestlers incurred long-term neurological injuries and that the company, quote-unquote, routinely failed to care for them and fraudulently misrepresented and concealed the nature and extent of those injuries. And um, uh, we'll, um, I'm actually going to include um, in a separate file, uh, about a while back, we interviewed what I um, interviewed, uh, Michael North, Squared, uh, Circle Squares, and um, we really got into this uh, really good conversation about, okay, the Snuka case. And more more so, the similarities with Benoit. Again, if you want to listen to the Benoit episode, um, you can go to the archives and you'll find it. And just, like, it's very... And, of course... You guys have more knowledge on it. It's, it's right. definitely something you guys it, it, listen it, it to. It brings... While, while we're... While we're... We bring the more of the wrestling aspect and the... And, and how... And tie it in. While this one, you know, me and, me and you, since we have that that, uh, that chemistry of, you know, kind of, yeah. like, analyzing the murder side and... Murder side. The... I guess the... Criminal we just aspects. get straight to the point. We state our opinions. We get straight right, to the point. Right, right, right. But like you, you get this wrestling base, and I guess the again the there's every similarities with Chris Benoit. Um, yeah. There was this pay per view uh, where this is in WCW, and Chris Benoit and Jimmy Superfly Snuka are together. They're on top of a steel cage, doing dives. Off the steel cage. It's like he, it's like it's like Snuka imparted his murder. He should post it. He should post it. Yeah. Oh, 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 it's so hard to find. It really is. And I was actually something I was telling Michael. I was like, man, I looked everywhere for this and I can find it. But you can, if you guys have WWE Network wrestling fans, you can find this. But like, it's like he just imparted his murderous juju onto Chris Wall. Here, I pass my knowledge on to you. But. It's so eerie, and and um again, it's just like he was and revealing Snuka's autopsy. He had CTE, so you wonder again when he was wrestling at the point that he met Nancy Arsatino. He was wrestling for over twelve years, he or thirteen years, if you will. He had a style. It's a high flying, very aggressive, very brutal style. Where, like you said earlier, Cam, he you're liable to get concussions. You're liable. To have these things, and then you add roid, uh, steroids, you add cocaine, and these yeah. things are dangerous. Alcohol, all of it. Alcohol, these are dangerous, dangerous additives. And again, when you have CTE on its own, who knows what somebody's capable of? And then you have these added layers. And you exactly. have all the circumstantial evidence, and you have the. Uh, the character study of Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and it just—I—I I mean, 
it's it's pretty hard to say that who knows at the end of the day uh only people who knows what happened is uh they're not here but if we are to yes believe, they're no longer here if we are to believe what the autopsy showed us if we are what to believe what all this circumstantial evidence and the witnesses and all of these things. And it's, and it's confusing because, again, the evidence only shows pretty much her autopsy and what people have said and what he said. And nobody's gone back and, like, investigated where she might have tripped and fell. Nobody went back to that hotel yeah. and, like, investigated the people that were there that night. None of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just, it, it, it makes it hard to believe that Jimmy Superfly Snucker was not at some kind of liable fault best case scenario. Worst case scenario, he yeah. outright murdered this woman. But best case scenario that he had to have some hand and you have just, again, all of these different branches saying that something is, is clearly wrong and you it, 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 it you, you can make that argument. You really can. There's a lot of missing steps, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It, it needs to be answered, and we we might we never... never you're never going to get those answers. Get yeah. And, I mean, this was just... And it's unfortunate. Right. And if we are, again, we are to believe that he, in fact, was criminally responsible as we, as I'm inclined to believe, and as, as you are, it was a huge, huge miscarriage of justice. Yes. And why that wasn't addressed, why, again, insinuations that Vince McMahon pretty much covered this up. And Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cover-ups. I agree with you. And that's something, like, I've always been fascinated in that, why this story was never big and why... Vince McMahon was never, like, really held culpable. Like, something like that. If, if this happened in... If you impart what happened in 1983, this event, into the cancel culture of 2019, and it, it will be vastly, vastly different. Yeah. And Even, two, like, the fact, mm-hmm. too, that we, we can connect so easily right. to other people and other, you know, scientists, doctors, people who, you know, work in this type of business and have done this for years. So it's a lot easier for us to get information and to relay it. But, man, they did literally nothing. And, again, was it just covered up by a certain amount of money? Are you saying this woman's life was worth a certain amount of money or or what? Because I call bullshit. Yeah, and... That's the story of Jimmy Superfly Snucker. Um, and that's the tea. That is the tea. And it's yeah. very, you know, it's it's very clouded. And, and, and it's a legacy where he did so good in the wrestling business. He, he, he brought so much goodwill in, in, in the wrestling business. And it will be forever again clouded by this, this, this mystery, this, you know. Yeah. Just about. But again, um, we're about to head on out. It is we've been at this for about an hour and some change. My voice, if I haven't sound hoarse, then I am just completely my. I'm gonna hate myself when I wake up. 
But um, guys, uh, yeah. thank you, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, we will be back next time. Um, I'm thinking like, yeah, next week. You know, hopefully we can just do more weekends. You know, uh, not yeah, on a, not, on a, not on a Tuesday night because that's not fun. But um, we did have uh one um, we did talk about it in the update uh episode that. After Snucka, well, also we're going to be pushing out uh, when this does get released. We're hoping about maybe Thursday or Friday. You know when Cam gets money so she can boost the post. <laughs> I love yes. you. I love you too, Cam. But uh, when uh, she, you know, when we do uh, boost it and when we do upload it, we're also going to also push out the interview that um, I had with Michael Nora, and it's just a really kind of like a collab, uh, a companion piece, if you will, to kind of like get more into the wrestling base and also the eerie and I mean just eerie fucking similarities to not just the two men himself Snuka and Benoit but pretty much just WWE's role and covering up and just it's a lot just to leave behind the imagination but um, we'll be back soon with Paula Sims and again we alluded to it in the update but it's very yeah, we, I, I can just see Cam. She's going to be red when she, you know, when we do the research. And she's like, this motherfucker, she's laughing now. But she's not going to be laughing when we, you know, when it's time to record the next time. But um, you can, that said, you can find Cam on Barbo Ho. Her words are not mine. Yeah. On Instagram. On Instagram. Look at me, I'm just, just all over the place. You can also find her on the Twitter on I like stuff 630 and you can also find her on the book of face on cam e period Ren. oh and is I'm hoping you didn't change it since last time we talked it's only been two days Jesus I'm not that Birdman Iceberg I was like unless you switched it with in this last hour so Birdman Iceberg yeah I did it just to fuck with you I did just I did just because I knew that can I'm just gonna I'm just gonna gotcha bitch. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. You're like, ha, she's gonna sound so stupid, I'm just gonna do this real fast, dumb bitch. Yeah. Um, you can find him on Z Twitter for Birdman for America twenty twenty press. Um, not the last part, but if you wanna vote Birdman twenty twenty. Yes, we're gonna, we're gonna um, make and some then shirts. I'm, yeah, I, I hope Emerson listens to this. I'm gonna, my brother, he's a fashion designer. He makes like these awesome ass shirts, cheap plug, uh, for Vision. But yeah, I'm gonna ask him to make me some shirts, Birdman for 2020, and just have like a Obama like shit. And he's just looking like, yes, we can. No, you have to do, you have to do the your Instagram profile. Uh oh yeah yeah you know yeah yeah oh yeah. It's pretty much my face. Yep, I'm gonna or do like that. Or like the JFK one, or the JFK one. That one's pretty. <laughs> that one's for the adults. That uh, one's for the adults. I don't want to get my head blown off yet. But, uh, guys, will thank you so much for listening, for joining in, whatever you guys are doing. You took the time to hear me and my good friend just ramble, as we always do, and we will be back. Hopefully, I feel a hell of a lot better physically. That my voice doesn't sound like I'm about to, you know, have a, a fucking, you know, kidney stone. So, um, again... And I'll have knowledge on the next one so I don't sound like a total turd. Oh, okay. 
that's hard. That, 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 this might be hard. It's easier said than done. But um, for Cam, this is Bird. We are signing off. This is Kellenoy with Bird and Cam. Be there or be, be careful. Or be careful. Bitches.